0: morning, Church at the Red Door. Good morning, good morning. Let's pray, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We uh, It's kind of our prayer, it's kind of our mantra here at Church of the Red Door. Lord, we are utterly, completely, totally dependent upon your Holy Spirit to give us insight into your word, to give us insight into your kingdom. You know, the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed had been inaugurated in his blood, the new covenant. Lord, we're uh, utterly, dependent upon you. Lord, every time we open this Word, its uh, I know there's some here that may even struggle to believe that it actually was inspired and penned in a sense by your Spirit. Uh, Lord, I pray that you just make that evident to them this morning. Lord, there's others that have been reading this for years and uh, Lord, I pray that you give them new, new insight this morning in their own journey and how they might apply the Word. And I pray the same prayer for me as well. Lord, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the privilege to meet in this valley, and uh, we just invite you today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Are you ready for, to roll on this? Amen. We are gonna have a good time this morning. Why? Because this is all about one of my favorite people. Uh, this is about Caleb again, and uh, this ongoing thing that we've been talking about. So we we've been entitling this uh, the Exodus template last week and this week. And one of the things I wanted to really impress on you, and we. And I'm, again, restating this from last week, you are on a journey, not just kind of a, yeah, everybody's on a journey, you walk through time. You have a limited place in time and space. Think about that for a second. You have a limited moment that you're going to be on this earth. Why wasn't it the 13th century? Why wasn't it maybe the 22nd century if Jesus hasn't come back? Why, why not? Why or millennium? I should say. Why? Why? Why not the, Why not? Why? Why here? Why now? We have to ask all those questions. You know, it's it's with great specificity that the Bible talks about you being in a particular place at a particular time, born into a particular nation. Uh, we have different ethnicities here, different backgrounds. Why are you here at this time and in this place? And then, is there something specific to your journey? That is also universally true for all of our journeys, and I would suggest that that would be yes. And we looked at that last week, First Corinthians chapter ten. Paul said, "As Israel was walking through the desert, everything that happened to them was written for our instruction." Upon whom the ends of the ages have come, I, I and I told you last week, and I'll and I'll restate it again. This has been more helpful for me in my walk in terms of a practical insight than just about anything else I've ever had in the Bible. Sometimes we can come to the New Testament and it's correction for churches, it's it's things like that and we don't, it almost feels like a bunch of don'ts. I mean there's certainly a lot of do's but how, what does this really mean to me? And a lot of us sta- are staggered by that, and we don't really know what to do. So as a result, we just kind of go to our jobs, and, and we come to church, and then they say we should give, and then we give to that mission, and then they say we should evangelize. And we try to do that a little bit, but we're a little bit unsure what that means. And some are more well-equipped than others. And, and then we end up kind of getting sucked back into our lives, and we never really see our lives as being something very specific to God's plan, both collectively and then both individually. And so that's what we were looking at last week. You're on a journey and it's already prescribed for you, the general template is prescribed for you. What is it? It's to come out of Egypt, to come out of the world. I was with one of our newly appointed elders this week and he restated something, a guy, a Pastor Morris had said at Gateway Church and I thought it was really, really profound and I'll never forget it, in fact, I'll repeat it to you several times. And uh, it's simply this, we go through the bees, the stages of the bees. First, we believe. So some of you may be in here trying, you know, I'd like to believe. I I would be, it would be fascinating if I could actually believe this stuff. Some of you may have been brought by a spouse and your spouse is real active, but you're kind of like, I don't know if I can buy into all this. So the first stage is, do you believe? And that's a big part of what we do every week. Why would we believe this stuff? Why would we buy into this? And then the second thing is to belong. Once you believe, it's important that you belong because you're a dynamic part one day is after you're discipled, you'll be a dynamic part of belonging, but also belonging, iron sharpens iron. We need each other. We talk about that virtually every week, how community is so uh, radically important in your walk. It's very difficult in this valley, isn't it, with people in and out and trying to maintain an identity as a community, but we do have an identity and a growing identity as a community. So first you believe, then you belong. As you belong, then you become. You become more like Jesus in the context of community. You don't just do that in isolation. I need to watch in others, and as I watch the grace-filled aspects of their life that I don't yet possess, it starts to rub off on me. It just happens. We become more like Jesus. It's where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, as you see Christ in me, follow that. And we, over time, it doesn't happen Immediately, I'm still becoming. I'm 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 all the way through that process. I'm still be trying to become more like Jesus, and Jesus through the Holy Spirit's doing His work in me. And then the last B would be build. This is kind of what we're talking about. You get to a place in your life where you know I've just sat through enough sermons. I've heard every sermon there is to ever hear, but you've never really taken the step to go beyond becoming and actually building the kingdom of God, and that's the Great Commission being part of a community that's so missionally minded that they're constantly thinking about their neighbor and not just their own spiritual walk. You need to do both. You need to be very aware of what's happening in your own spiritual walk, your personal relationship with Jesus, your personal worship. All those things are important, but they have to be moving towards, now turn around and tell your neighbor. Now turn around and tell your neighbor. So what we saw last week is through when they came out of Egypt and they believed And they went through their baptism, where did they go? Immediately into the wilderness. And then we see something unique happen that there was an appointing of 12. As I said last week, these were the 12 spies that went into the southern part of Israel, Hebron, the place of the giants, the Anakim. And they went in there and, and they spied out the land and they came back and they had clusters of grapes. Two guys could barely carry it. They had pomegranates, they had figs and they're saying this is a land flowing with milk and honey, this is unbelievable. But there's no way we can do it there's just no possible way we can do it except for two of them and that was caleb and joshua of the 12 less than 20 percent said we can do this god's called it he's promised to us this is something we can do it's i wonder what that would look like today in our culture there's a tendency to pull back well you know the the secular powers are so strong and we are so marginalized it's just too big in the land. You know, we couldn't have an impact in this valley. People just aren't that concerned with it. The kingdom stuff, people just are not. I've talked to my neighbor about it. They're not interested. And we just pull back. We recede. We're, we find ourselves unknowingly and unwittingly on the side of the ten who says we just can't take them. And of course, as we begin to say that, the people around us, those that are coming to faith in Christ and feel like. Jesus can do anything. If we as a church have that attitude and someone is just now in the believing stage but they're part of a church that's like, well, we can't really have any impact in this valley and we get in our little holy huddles and we do our little thing on Sundays and then we we sneak out and we kind of meekly go back in, try to blend in for 6 days and then come back here and raise our hands again like we got like we're kingdom people, like we're conquerors more than conquerors in Christ. People pick up that vibe. They pick up the vibe Of whether or not you think that we are we win this race that there is land for us to take not physical land like they took but spiritual property and that's what again we look so they picked the 12 and then we saw that they chose the 70. I want to go a little bit more into that I kind of teased you with that last week and I want to look at now at the appointing of the 70. Interesting story so if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 18. And if you don't know where Exodus is, if you can find the beginning of your Bible, just, just a little to the right, you're going to find Exodus. Genesis is the first book and then Exodus, part of the Torah, part of the Pentateuch, the first five books attributable to Moses. Did Moses necessarily write every word? No, because in the end it said, and Moses died. Okay, so and Moses probably wasn't, and Moses and die, and barely could get it out in Hebrew, and then and then he passed. Now, chances are there was somebody that were taking these notes and but it's attributable to Moses. Why? Because Jesus attributed this to Moses. Exodus chapter 18, interesting story. And it came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. Now, you've got to realize that some estimate it could have been as many as 3 million people. No megaphone, no, you know, I mean, we we got Coachella that comes out here, and it seems like an inordinate amount of number of people, especially if you're East Valley people, and they come streaming in, and they kind of take over Ralph's Supermarket and all the local restaurants and all that kind of stuff, and and they kind of got their whole hippie vibe working and all that, you know, the Coachella thing, that's kind of been back to the 70s and all that kind of thing. That's maybe 100,000 people it seems overwhelming. Imagine 3 million with no Mr. Microphone or no, no ability to really project and Moses was trying to pretty much govern this himself. And it says they stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw that all he was doing for the people, he said, what is this thing you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge and all the people stand about you from morning to until evening, Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people came to me to inquire of God, and when they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. In other words, there is nobody. It's just me. It's all these people, and it's me. And his father-in-law, Jethro, a Midianite, comes and says, wait a minute. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing isn't good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I'm going to give you some counsel. You got any father, father-in-laws or mother-in-laws in here that have ever done that to their kids? It says, and God be with you. He says, you be the people's representative for God. That's good. And you bring the disputes to God, then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work that they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge, and so it will be easier with you, and they will bear the burden for you. If you do this thing and God so commands you then you will be able to endure and all these people also will go to their place in peace and so Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said and Moses chose able men out of Israel made them heads over the people leaders of thousands hundreds fifties and tens they judged the people at all times the difficult dispute they would bring to Moses but every minor dispute they would judge then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell and went his way and he went his way into his own land now Let me just be clear, some theologians, not many, a few would say, well, he shouldn't listen to the counsel of his father-in-law, he should have been listening to Jesus, who was this Midianite to come in? In other words, and my mother-in-law and father-in-law are here, and I wouldn't say anything like that. But anyway, the, the point is, no, 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 I think this is clearly God's counsel, and the reason I suggest that that's true is that we're going to see Jesus following into the same pattern. Now, as we looked at last week, Moses is a type, was a foreshadowing of Jesus. Moses led them out of Egypt slash the world being under Pharaoh slash Satan's dominion. Moses led them through the Red Sea. They were baptized into Moses and into the cloud. We're not baptized into Moses anymore. We're baptized into Jesus. Baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're now baptized into the Godhead. But at that time, they were baptized into Moses, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. So as they came through, Moses led them through. And then Moses died on a mountain, as I alluded to last week, right before they went in and began to take their spiritual land. He died on Mount Nebo. Jesus went up on a mountain and laid down his life right before they began to really seriously take the kingdom. First, something had to happen. They needed the Holy Spirit. And in perfect, perfect complicity with the spring and fall feasts, now the spring feast in Pentecost, some 50 days later, what happened? Well, just a minute, I, I, since the Holy Spirit is speaking, <laughs> <laughs> Now, I just sensed it I'm very sensitive to that. Somebody still has their Google Maps going here, so so uh, well, maybe that was a word from the lord so So what happens is is that Moses comes in and and he's leading them through, so he dies, Jesus dies on that mountain, and then they go in and they begin to take the land. what fifty days later, the Holy Spirit falls on them. Now, what's interesting about that, and we'll see this a little bit in a minute, Jesus also appointed 12, then he appointed 7. Do you think that's by chance? Well, something very unique happens in Numbers 11. Now, let me just say, most, I would say most theologians would believe that this, appointments that Moses made were the same elders that would have been the 70 elders appointed by him earlier. This is the same story. Some suggest maybe they're different elders. Now, if we go back to Exodus chapter 3, elders existed during the time that the Israelites were actually in Egypt. So it says, and Moses went to the elders and told them he was going to lead them out of Egypt. And so as early as Exodus 3, there was always a a place. An elder in Hebrew here just means older ones, not necessarily even physically because some of them could have been younger and heads of tribes. But typically older, but also certainly from our perspective, older and more mature in their walk. But there's a very interesting thing that happens that I think it's just a parallel account that happens later after him taking the advice of Jethro. That would be my view. Numbers chapter 11, verse 16 and 17. This is fascinating, fascinating stuff. The Lord therefore said to Moses, gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel. Now, it wasn't wasn't specifically We wouldn't give a number specifically if we go back to Exodus 18, so we didn't know exactly how many he appointed. We just know that they were somewhere heads of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens, right? So, but now it's more specific. Gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel, okay, whom you know to be elders of the people and their officers and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you and then I will come down and speak with you there and I will take of the spirit that is upon you and I'm going to put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you will not bear it all alone. So already you see a transfer. God's speaking to Moses. Now, this is in the context of them complaining and being bitter and they were tired of the manna and they wanted meat and all this other. This is crazy. Numbers 11 is a crazy story. And Moses is just exhausted and it's like, I can't bear the burden of this people anymore. They are wearing me out. I never feel that way about you, by the way, (laughs) Ever. But they, you, they, we're wearing me out. He goes, okay, go get seventy of the elders. There, there evidently were more elders, or was it all? It, does, it doesn't really matter. The point is, seventy were appointed to come to the tent of the meeting. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the spirit that I've been pouring out on you, and I'm going to pour it out on them. Now you can already see there's a transfer here. And I think it's predictive prophecy and a, and a template that we can understand and something that we can still practice. We still practice that today. We appoint elders and we continue to go out into the Great Commission and the spirits poured out on them and and they're hopefully spirit-led to be leading and people come into the kingdom. For them, it was, again, this process. So now if you've jumped forward to verse 23 and the Lord said to Moses is the Lord's power limited? now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not and this is what happened great story I love this it looks like a prefiguring of Pentecost to me it's very interesting and we can we can glean a lot from this and it says this so Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and Also, he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and stationed them around the tent. Get the picture. Now, remember, this is the wandering tabernacle. This is not future Davidic times when Solomon then comes after David and builds the great glorious temple in Jerusalem. No, they are wandering through the wilderness and they've got this tent of meeting, this place that was very specifically prescribed by God and they had to tear it down. Every time the cloud moved, tear it down, put it back up, tear it down, put it back up. And it wasn't just like a pup tent either. It was complex with sockets and boards and interior, interior, and curtains, and, very, with, and it had to be done exactly as God had showed Moses on the mountain. That's what they were gathered around. Very interesting. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and he spoke to him, and he took of the Spirit who was upon him and placed him upon the 70 elders. Notice, placed him. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not just a fog or an it or a something. He placed him on the seventy elders, and when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But they did not do it again. Now now notice prophecy, by the way, it's just important to understand, prophecy in a general sense, is not always uh, like guessing somebody's weight or telling what's going to happen in the future or some of the silly stuff. It certainly is predictive prophecy can be talking about what's happened in the future, the prophecy of the Revelation, for instance, the very last book in your Bible. But typically prophecy is more defined as something where God speaks and through divine inspiration men then speak it out. So God's speaking, this is my heart, this is my, this is my thoughts on this, and then men speak it out. And so they began to do that. But interestingly, verse 26, But two of the men had remained in the camp, and and the name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those who had been registered but had not gone out to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. They didn't come. They, they They were outside this group that had come, even though they had been registered. So a young man ran and told Moses and said, you know, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses from his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. They're not part of the group that came to the tent. And now they're out there prophesying. This is Everything's out of order here, right? This is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how it's supposed to be. This is, this is like a golf pro starting a church or something. This just shouldn't be that way. <laughs> I mean, that, this doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, this really makes no sense. This is way outside protocol." Restrain them. Restrain them. But Moses said, Are you jealous for my sake? He said, Catch this. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon all of them. And then Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. Now, if you were to fast forward and think about Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, I will I wish you all spoke in tongues. But even but now catch this. But even more so that you would prophesy. In other words, I'm wanting all of you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm wanting him to pour out his spirit on all of you, not just a few select. Men of all, always and always will, use religion to dominate, to coerce, to manipulate, to set up power structures which they can force you, and be then the arbiters of all things spiritual. And you can see already that Jesus is setting up a structure, excuse me, the Christ through Moses in this template is setting up a structure, he says, no, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon everybody. Now, now you've got to realize if you go back into the prophets, uh, Joel had seen that. Behold, God speaks through Joel and says, behold, I'm there's coming a day where I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all men, all flesh, every ethnic group, every, not just the Jews, not just the physical descendants of Moses, but the whole earth. I'm going to do this thing. Now, what does that mean for us as it relates to the Great Commission? We all play a role. Eldad, dad. doesn't matter. You, you, don't, you feel like an outsider. You're not the one that was called to the tent of meeting. You're not the one that has a seminary degree. You're not the one that, well, I, you know, there's a lot of things I can't do. Let me just tell you, a man or a woman with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that's all you need. Now I'm not saying there's not wisdom and that you don't you don't need to be equipped and that's one of the things we're even doing this morning we're equipping you with the word and that you can just run out there's still levels that you need to rise through if you don't understand what it means you can you can be trying to uh, you know pour something out on people that really is not biblical yet so there's a process and that's why the wilderness that's why they didn't just go straight into the promised land they they wandered through the wilderness they they could have gone much much quicker, but sometimes we just get staggered in the wilderness and we get lost, and then we say, eh, "I better off when I was in Egypt." You know all this church stuff. I don't know. I get I get tired of going to church. You know, it's a, I'm tired, and it'd be better if I just stayed in bed. Yeah, you know, it's just I don't know this whole thing. And then you just get the siren song of the of the world calls you back, and because you, and you never enter, you never cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. Again, the promised land is not heaven. Are you clear? What did they do when they crossed the Jordan? They began to take a physical land from a physical people. We are not called to do that. We're called to take a spiritual land from spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, our task as it will be at this church always will be reach into this valley and Give the good news of the gospel to people and let them believe, then see them belong, then see them become, and then see them get on the team and help us build to go back out to the people that don't believe so we can find people who don't believe and help them believe and then help them belong and then help them. And there's just that going at every time. And so if we look around the cross-section of people that are here, everybody's in some stage. You are somewhere along this template. Some of you this morning or on live stream may still be in Egypt come out of Egypt go through your baptism be filled with the spirit go now you're going to go into the wilderness you're going you're going to have to learn you're going to have to be tested you're going it's 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 a, it's a dry time you're going to be extricated from your old ways of thinking and doing and and you're going to become a new person but you will become if you belong you will become and then, and then come on and help us, help us reach this valley. And not just this valley, you know, the unique thing about Church at the Red Door is we, we actually have an opportunity to impact large swaths because many of you don't just live here. If you're impacted here, you take it elsewhere. Or maybe you were impacted elsewhere and now you're coming here and you're an outgrowth of another church as well. So we have a lot of cross-pollination. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Folks, we're going to get into this deeply. Well, I think you guys are going to be, and gals, sorry for you non-Texans, guys and gals, you're going to be so energized. (laughs) November 24th, both services, we'll be back to two services by then. We're going to outline for you our calling. We're going to talk to you about where we're going, and we're going to talk to you about, you know, all kinds of things, you know, buildings and properties and all kinds of things, and it's going to, but there is clear vision clear vision it's not ambiguous so just understand that why because of this he won't he restrain them they 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 don't know what they're doing no would that all of his people would have the holy spirit poured out upon them and that they would all prophesy be divinely inspired are you with me that's powerful for me that's powerful Now, I want to quickly look, what are the qualities of those people that go through the wilderness and actually get out of the wilderness? Well, as we said, there were only two, Joshua and Caleb. Now, Moses certainly would have qualified. It was God's providential plan that he would, and again, a prefiguring of Jesus in my view. Joshua and Caleb, what is it, what was it about those two that in some way got them from this side in the wilderness to cross the Jordan and actually began to build? Well, they had to believe many of them fell in the wilderness, Bible simply says, because they didn't believe and they were disobedient to the Word. He, read Hebrews chapter 3. Many of them fell in the wilderness. Why? Because they were too interested in idolatry. They set, stood up to eat and drink, or they sat down to eat and drink and they stood up to play, you know? So they just fell. They just, they, you know, the believing, the belonging, no, let's separate. Who's Moses? Who's he? You know, why, why? and people do that with Jesus all the time. Well, what is it specifically about Jesus? I mean, okay, he's, he was an interesting teacher, but, you know, Jesus. I mean, he's one interesting voice, but he's not the voice. I mean, you, you know, you evangelical people, always just all about Jesus. Well, you know, there's a lot of other spiritual voices out there. And some of them, I really like them, and they, and they, and they get this mixed message, okay? No, it's very specific. It's Jesus. It's believed. So what was it? Well, it really was very much, first we're going to look at Joshua. It was very much about spending time in the presence of the Lord. Do you really spend time with the presence of the Lord? You know, some of you are introverts. It may be a little bit more easy for you to do that. Some of you are real extroverts. TV's always going. Activity's always going. You don't like quiet. You're always, you just go from thing to thing to thing to thing. You go from vacation to this to that to meeting with, and every weekend's packed, and there just has to be a time to spend time in the presence of the Lord, and it's important. And at that point it was reflected in the tent of meeting. That was the presence of the Lord. Moses would come out, he'd have to put a veil over his face. What about Joshua? Well, let's read. Exodus chapter thirty three, verse eleven. What are the qualities that's gonna take to get us out of the wilderness and get into the fullness of our calling? A couple things. Exodus thirty-three, verse eleven, says, "Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face." And I've never seen his face, but I do, in a spiritual sense, definitely. I have had, if I don't have moments face to face with God, I, it, I, there's no way I could even remotely begin to even claim to lead or have vision or anything. Because if it's my vision, who cares? I mean, who wants to follow that? But if it's the Lord's calling and his vision, and then we can reflect that. So he used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Again, a prefiguring. So God used to speak to Moses like a friend, and then Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, we're so close. The relationship here is so tight. Of course, Jesus was God. We're actually going to take some time and really spend some time in understanding that more. But. So when Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, Notice that, by the way, a young man. Sometimes you say, ah, religion, I'll get really deep into it, you know, later on. After I get kind of my career started or after I get out of college or after I get out of high school or after I get out of whatever, somewhere down the road. No, a young man, Joshua's a young man. I, I love that. I, I'm excited about the future of our church. I do think we'll have uh, intergenerational ministry at some point in the future. We don't have as much today as we will. I think once we get our own physical facility, that'll, that'll change dramatically. But he wouldn't depart from the tent. I just want you to just, can you cling on to those words this morning? Are you a person that just will not depart from the tent? Are you a person that gets antsy even thinking about being in the tent? Worship song, when is this going to be over? I, you know, when is this message going to be over? I, I, I think the same thing sometimes too. But, <laughs> but you get the point. I just wouldn't depart the tent. What was it? What was it in Joshua that he just would not depart from the tent? What what provoked that? He had seen something. He was inspired. Then Joshua 1, Joshua 1, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Well, why didn't he speak to everybody else? Why did, he, why did God choose Joshua to speak to? I would suggest that out of, based on Exodus 33, that it, well he was the guy that would never left the tent. He, he understood his voice. So we looked at it with Samuel. Samuel early on, he was already chosen, but he just didn't know the voice of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. He just wasn't familiar with the voice of the Lord. Joshua knew the Lord's voice. What do you think, God got it on his appointment calendar and Joshua had to fit him in and I'll meet you down at Starbucks on Tampico in Washington? No, he knew his voice. It says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel, every place. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute, folks, as it relates to this valley Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. These words inspire me. Place is important. I don't live in Atlanta. I don't live in Dallas. I don't live in Russia with Sasha Sudarov, some of you know, the president of Moscow Seminary, which we still support. I don't live there. I'm in call there. I live here. It's the 21st century in time. It's not the 13th. I live in time, in space, here, right now. And where, where my foot treads, I, I, I tread my foot here in the Coachella Valley. Some of you may me not the whole year, but six months you do. And he says, and I have given it to you from the wilderness of this Lebanon, even as far as the great river the Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. Now, you got to understand when I say me or it's a we and it's it's the collective church in the valley that's preaching the legitimacy of the gospel, the full gospel, all of us. So it's not, but I have to personalize it. I cannot just keep it to, it's when it's big, it doesn't come down to, well, what does that mean for Jeff Cranford? What does that mean for my family? What does that mean for my wife and me? And, and we're, we're going to be empty nesters here before long. You know, I mean, what's that going to mean for us? What's that look like in the future? Well, our foot treads here. And God would say, well, it's not from the Euphrates to the Great Sea, which would have been the Mediterranean, but maybe it's from, you know, maybe it's from the corner of India down over to here. You know, I, 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 I take this very seriously. When I go in and I feel like God's given me a platform, and out here it's been, for me mostly, and many of you know this, I am not hide anything. I was in the golf world, so it was country clubs. And I'd go into these places, I've told you before, and I'd drive in there, and I still do it to this day. And once I drive in there, I'm saying, I'm Lord, I'm asking you for spiritual territory here. I, and every place my golf cleats tread. <laughs> I want to see people, I want to win some battles I want to see people come into belief behind these places, whatever it is, and wherever wherever your soul treads, wherever your foot. Well, I'm retired, you know, I don't really have that much to offer. That is just ridiculous. You do, and we do collectively. It says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, I want you to think about something because some of you get so caught up and the politics of the day, and, and, uh, and various factions and special interest groups that want to overturn laws and change moorings and all the different things that go on, and you get so overwhelmed that you feel meek. You feel like one of the, one of the ten spies. We just can't take this. We, this is just too big for us. And I'm just saying be revitalized this morning. Go in here and mark these up. Put it on, you know, have somebody crochet for it. Put it above your toilet. Put it above your sink. Put it above your whatever. Put it all over the house and just say, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, no man will be able to do it. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Does that sound familiar to you and from New Testament? You think Jesus is just drawing those words out of the air? I'll never forsake you. I'll never fail you. I'll never forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which the Moses, my servant, commanded you. Now, we know we're not under the law. We still should abide under the moral law, but a lot of the law that was given to Israel to keep them together as a nation, a lot of that, we're not under that law anymore that was specifically given to Israel. We're not stoning adulterers, and everyone said, amen. We're not stoning adulterers. We're not stoning anyone who would lust. We're not stoning anyone who doesn't, you know, keep the Sabbath. I mean, all those things were given specifically to Israel the moral law, and yet, and yet, the moral law had some carry with it. We're still called not to murder. We're still called not to walk in uh, sexual immorality. We're, we're called to those various things. So, in in some ways, but generally speaking, we're not under the law. We are under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Now, that prophecy, of course, many of you will know, and I believe it's Isaiah 30 that says, you know, there's coming a day when you're going to hear a voice behind you and it's going to say, go to the left, go to the right. It was a prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all people. If you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, if you don't depart from the tent, you're going to be able to hear, don't go down that road. Don't live in that kind of impurity anymore. It will hamper you from moving into the fullness. How can I bless you in a significant way? And I'm just talking about money and cars and, you know, That's not what I'm talking about. How can I bless you when you still live in that kind of immorality? 1 Corinthians 6, it gives a long outline. And then I believe it's verse 11 and it says, "And, and this is how you used to walk and such were some of you, but you're not that anymore. So that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law will not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. We're doing that this morning. We're meditating on it. I hope you're. I hope this is sinking deep into your soul. You're meditating on it, so that you may be careful to do all that according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do don't tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now stop for a second before we just make this some. Um, bible story and do you realize what they had seen they estimate some of these when they went into hebron they estimate some of these guys could have been over nine feet tall now today you'd say this is, seriously so i mean and they, they found some that this, this is not just some mythological stuff i mean there were giants in the land we have some giants uh you just have to go to you have to pay a ticket to go watch the nba but we still have current modern day giants and, and they did. They walked in, and these were these were little guys that had been in slavery for a while, probably not, some malnutrition for 400 years. They were probably you know not just kind of walking around in there, you know, looking around. And back then, this was this was the, the equivalent of a, a nuclear threat. This was fighter bombers. This was this would be the modern day equivalent of that. They said this is an overwhelming power. There's no we got no chance in the world. Let's appreciate. Where their faith failed, let's appreciate what they saw with their eyes. It shouldn't surprise us that only Joshua and Caleb, it shouldn't surprise us that these were the only two. Still the case with some of us, I do not, Lord, I pray, Lord, I I want the Joshua spirit and I want the Caleb spirit and I want this church to be defined by those very characteristics. From everything that we do, yeah, we're gonna, we've are gonna. we already, we've run into some real challenges. We've had some, you know, on a personal level us and many of you, and I know some of, many of, some of you have cancer and some of you are struggling in other areas. We will have battles, that's why they're called battles. But every place that the sole of our feet tread, will we have that attitude? Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people and said, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people said, prepare provisions. Now remember this, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you're to cross this Jordan and go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. Notice, prepare provisions. Now, why was that so interesting? They hadn't had to prepare any provisions for 40 years. Where did their provisions come from? It was manna came down out of heaven. Quail came down out of heaven. But all of a sudden, there's a shift. Prepare provisions for yourself. find that Interesting. Second quality, and we find this in Caleb, just an unadulterated faith. It was just a relentless pursuit of God. That's just you, I don't know how you describe Caleb, other than that, the dog that just will not let go of that toy, that rope, that whatever. And as we saw, that was his name. It's like a attack dog. That really defines Caleb. It was dog. That's what his name means. And, And he just refused relentless God said this was the way it was I believe that period it's end of story it's that kind of quality that we need that's why we come together. One of the reasons we come together on Sunday, one of the reasons we come together during the week. One of the reasons we belong and we're so that we can encourage one another. Come on, let's get the Caleb Spirit. I know you feel down. I know you feel beaten up. I know you feel I know you may be struggling with an area of your life that yet hadn't been turned to becoming like Jesus. I know you may be struggling to believe, but come on, we can do this. Let's go to the Word. Let's be energized. Let's be impassioned by it. Joshua 14, let's just get a, a glimpse of this guy, Caleb, again. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, you know, the Lord, uh, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. We can take it. We can have an impact in this valley. We can have an impact in this valley. Yeah, but you don't know my neighbor. All they want to do is play bridge and go to dinner. And every time I talk to them about religion, they put up the hand and they've got, you just don't understand what we're up against. You just don't understand the people at my school or the people at my work. They have no interest in this whatsoever. Every time I even mention it, they just, they, it, it, we can take it. what's in my heart. It's what I want to be in our heart. Nevertheless, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. Are you the one that just says, our country's just going to pot? You know, everything's just going. We're, we're going to be back to a socialist country here before. long. I'm not saying there aren't real threats. I am not saying that. But where's your heart? Is it getting, at the, is it getting the right political party in there? Is it just, or is it seeing people come To know Jesus. That's why, if I'd have been called the political realm, God called me there, that'd be fine. The reason I'm not there in my own heart is that if I thought it worked, I would be there. The only thing I know that changes a human heart and a destiny is Jesus. It's the only thing, the only person that I know. And this is the worldview, and this is why we as a church have to have full buy in here. He says, he goes on, he said, but they made the people's heart melt with fear. He says, But I follow the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden, Caleb, will be an inheritance to you and to your children. Let me just tell you something. You take in your spiritual destiny has an impact on your children. And if you don't think that's true, trust me, it is. Jeff Jeff Hopper and I wrote a book a number of years back, and I think I've alluded to it, called Love Never Fails, And once your children leave your household, you can have the impact, you can take them to church, you can do. And at some point, they'll begin to make their own decisions. The best thing you can do at that point is that you go into stage four and you build a kingdom of God. And you allow them to watch you serve Christ in your generation. And it'll have an impact on your kids. Just going to church is not going to have an impact on your kids or your grandkids. You building the kingdom of God. Look what we're doing. You know, look what we're involved in. And you may not have to use words. They may come and visit once a year and and they just watch. They watch. You and your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, guess this, the Lord has let me live. Just as he spoke those 45 years ago. So if he was 40, how old is he now? Math quick. 85 years old. From the time that the Lord spoke this to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I'm 85 years old today. I don't know if it was his birthday, but you get the point. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day of Moses and when he sent me. Now, was that true? It was in his heart, so it might as well have been. In terms of what he had to accomplish, I'm sure he didn't feel the pep and the vigor that he was when he was 40 years old. But in his heart, he carried out that. Task, and he got all that land, by the way. He says, and he says, My strength was then, my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that the Anakim were here, were there, with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. I love also, as bold as he was, it was still. I can do this if the Lord doesn't depart from me. And that's what Jesus said. Don't say you're going to go into such and such city. Say if the Lord wills. All this is in the context of the Lord wills. I don't care how confident or how we think we're going to impact the valley or we think we're going to see all kinds of people come to Jesus over these intervening years that are ahead of us and even beyond my own tenure. The foundations that are being laid here at church at the Red Doors, we look out into this valley and people fly in from all over the world and they land right there at Little Palm Springs International or Ontario and Drive or whatever, and they come in and they just, and here they are, and this grows to a million people, and it will be a million. I would think it would be close to a million. We get close to 800,000 now during the season, And, and they come from all over the world, and what do they do? And they park their little cars here or their rent cars, and they play golf, and something happens and they're impacted, or they buy a place. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb. It's as simple as that. It's in my heart, 45 years, packing up, tearing down, packing up, tearing down. He was a leader. I can only imagine what that, those intervening years look like. Some of you may have done that for many years, and now you say, well, I'm retired. I don't have that much to do. I've got a pretty padded 401k. I'm, I'm, everything's pretty sad. i have pretty much the life. And now we find a good church to belong to. And now you're talking to me about reentering the workforce. Yes, I am. Have the Caleb spirit, 85 years old, because God said he's going to give me some of this territory. Think in terms of spiritual territory. Don't just think in the physical realm, Folks. So he gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh for an inheritance and therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite until this day because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba for Arba was the greatest man among the giants, the Anakim. And then catch this, then the land had rest from war. Now, the ultimate, and I'll finish with this, and we'll get in. And if, if you understand this, next week is really going to get exciting. Okay? You say, oh, he always says that. Well, it's always exciting. Well, why, why don't I always say that? Right? <laughs> the land had rest from war. What's our hope here? What is our hope here in the valley? The hope is simple that we would give people spiritual rest from spiritual warfare in their life. Jesus said, I came to give peace. I came to pour out my peace on your life. You've got turmoil and chaos and everything else. I don't care if you own 1,800 companies and half of them are public and boy, the stock's been going through the roof and boy, you've got it. If you have spiritual chaos, deadness in your soul, you don't have peace. And what he said is then the Lord gave them rest from war spiritual war again this is an analog folks we're not taking physical land from physical people we're saying you forces of wickedness that live over this valley and over the lives of people and who live in the domain of darkness if you're separate from your creator who is jesus and god the father and you're separate from the holy spirit your life, well, it could function reasonably well. And if you're very wealthy, you can pad your life reasonably well. But I will tell you at the end, you are spiritually dead without Jesus, period. Spiritually dead. I, I am a very spiritual person. You, you have a spirit, but according to the text, you're spiritually dead unless you are plugged into the branch, which is Jesus. That's Jesus' words. It's his promise to us. Do we want to give this land spiritual rest? Well, we're going to have to enter, some, enter the fray. So you've heard me say it, and I hope this defines it for you more than ever. We are not merely a church that is here to provide religious services for religious people. We do. We do those things. We want to give you a place to worship and to be with other people. We want to give you that. I mean, it's not that that's not important. It is, but it is not our primary driver. Church at the Red Door is a missional church. It always will be. We we have been selected, not just us uniquely, but all. We have been selected to go out into a hurting world and be a light. Do you want to be the light? Well, first you have to have the light living on the inside of you. Have you ever just asked Jesus, say, you know, Jesus, I believe in you, and I'm asking you to come into my life. If you haven't done that, you need to do that this morning if you have faith to believe. If you're still wondering, and I have a lot of questions, this is still a place for you to come. You know, we've got all kinds of people that are more than equipped to sit down with you and walk you through some of the deep and perplexing questions that you may have. It may even involve, well, what about evolution? Or what about this? Or what about all the church history? And what about that? And that, it's fine. We'll, we'll take you through the, as long a season as you need to make to go ahead and persuade you in your own mind so you can get over some of these intellectual hurdles. But if you don't believe, you can believe this morning. And then if you do believe, folks, we're going somewhere. We're on a journey, and it's already prescribed And for whatever reason, you're here at this place and at this time. God has you here. I believe that. What are we going to do with that? Are we going to be a light? So here, we didn't stand up on the third song because I don't know why. I just came in. Nobody was standing up. Come on now. We're going to stand up now. So I want everybody to stand up. We're going to finish. We're going to finish with this last worship song. Now, I need to tell you before we play this, before we play this song, Say, it's a little but modern for me and I don't know all the words. Can sometimes you just breathe this song in? This song motivated me so profoundly when we were thinking in the run-up to the, our very first time that we met here at Church at the Red Door, I was so moved. It would move me to tears. In light of what we talked about, are we going to be a light, right? Are we going to be a light to this? And then I'll come back and close this in prayer.